Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. When's the last time you actually called a restaurant for a reservation? Hi, um, I'd like to reserve a table for Wednesday the 7th. I know, maybe it hasn't been too often because, let's face it, we're all using Open Table, the app on our phones right now. It's the restaurant table where we get together to connect, commemorate, and experience many of life's richest moments. But what about calling the doctor? Maybe figuring out if your prescription is ready. Or even making an appointment with your car to get it serviced. Pretty soon, you may not be able to tell whether you're speaking to a human or maybe a computer-generated voice. I'm talking about artificial intelligence. Hey, it's your Google Assistant. I'm so happy to be here. Listen to this. See if you can tell if the salon worker is human or an AI bot. How can I help you? Hi, I'm calling to book a women's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. Sure. What time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like. What service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye. So what do you think? Is the salon worker a human or is the salon worker, say, an artificial intelligence generated bot? The answer is actually twofold. The salon worker is actually human. That thing booking the appointment, well, there's your AI for you. It's the female version of something that Google developed that they're calling duplex. It's not just a voice activated response system. This is a machine with a full vocabulary and it uses it to analyze and respond to your requests. It's actually really amazing. I'm Kim Commando, America's Digital Pro, and I have to tell you, in all my years of tracking tech for you guys and gals, I've never seen a technology grow, evolve, and improve so much as artificial intelligence. The look and feel of commercial artificial intelligence is suddenly very, very human, and so is its sound. And I have to admit, I'm a little excited that I can have an AI assistant book appointments for me. Or maybe an AI assistant could track down for me that cheapest flight in the best seat. And speaking of airplane travel, imagine if an AI could actually file that complaint for you because you got bumped. And that's not all. There's actually another side to AI you need to know about. It can actually speak using my own voice. That's right. In fact, I can assign anyone's voice to my AI assistant. Think about that. My AI can speak in the voice of a famous actor, a former president, anyone. But there's obviously a flip side to that. Being an on-air celebrity means that my voice is accessible to anyone who wants to use my voice. That really concerns me. And I can't wait to tell you and to dig into all the legal and security issues surrounding this. But that's for another podcast. For this one, I want you to get ready to have some fun. 
you're going to hear artificial intelligence compose its own music. Well, actually, its own rap songs. For now, get ready to have some fun. You're going to hear artificial intelligence compose its own music, its own rap songs, in its own art culture. This is tech entertainment at its finest, folks. But it's also knowledgeable. We're going to get this incredible bird's eye view of the development process from an AI algorithm specialist. We're also going to talk to a tech and gaming voiceover artist and also an AI music programmer from the Google Magenta team. It takes all three areas of expertise to come up with the perfect AI sounds. And it also takes some very generous sponsors to help me deliver this information to you. So take a listen to their message. And if you like it, act upon it. Whether you use Apple Siri, Microsoft Cortana, or Google Assistant, they all kind of operate the same way. You ask them questions, and then they respond. Marquise Brownlee is from New Jersey. <laughs> of course, all the great tech folks are from New Jersey, right? At last count, he has almost 6 million YouTube subscribers. What I love about the internet is that you can just get this amazing following. Marquise is only 24 years old. And one other fun fact about Marquise, per his Wikipedia page, he's 6 foot 3 inches. In this next experiment, we're just going to use Google Assistant. Tech reviewer Marquise Brownlee spent some time with it. What you want to do is ask Google Assistant, hey Assistant, make an appointment for my haircut next Monday around noon. And it will actually call that hair salon, pretend to be a human, talk to the person that picks up and get you a reservation for that hair appointment at around noon. Note the way that she says, um, and thanks. It's there for a reason. It's actually pretty cool. It had all the right inflections and pauses and just the intonation, the way it talks was very, it's so human, especially the, the way it responds to those questions, very tunneled in on making that appointment. Yeah, my listeners were pretty amazed when this technology just popped up on the market. But I happen to have full knowledge that Google's been at this for many, many years. With the machine learning and the artificial intelligence and the natural language processing and all of that, this is the culmination of all of their years of listening to our voices to make Duplex this good. It really is something special in 2018. I'm with you. But there's another side. I think people are still suspicious. Any reactions on your end? I've seen a lot of reactions to this lately on Twitter, especially, and in some videos of people saying, this is a terrible idea. Like this is, why would Google do this? Tricking somebody into thinking they're talking to a human when they're not, that is deeply concerning. And I understand a lot of it, even though I'm mostly on the side of this particular feature, but it just, the question is, does Google have a, an obligation to let that person know that they're not speaking to a human? You're right. I've got to call into a tech lawyer from Google who's going to answer that for us in another podcast. My question right now is, are you personally offended? Do you personally feel deceived, Marquise? I feel like it wouldn't be that bad if you know right off the bat you're talking to a robot. But when you get a phone call and you answer the phone call, that gets weird because you think you're answering and talking to a human and then you might like find out during that that you're actually talking to a robot and then you were fooled and then it then it feels weird then it feels creepy so that brings us to number two which is just how far does it go thanks marquise for joining us on this podcast 
How far is really the question? Let's listen now to what AI assistant sounded like not too long ago. Currently in Kearney, it's 82 degrees Fahrenheit and sunny. The Home Depot on Route 440 is open from now until 10 p.m. Jersey City is open today. Those are the current generation of assistant voices. I'm talking about Samsung's Baxter, Apple's Siri, Amazon's Alexa. These are machines that can learn, deduce, formulate, and react to almost anything you throw at it. So you can just imagine how far developers are going to take this technology. They're evolving very, very quickly. I remember one time, Marquise asked them to do a rap tune. You're just, you're, you're going to love this. I can rhyme. I even have an original poem I've been working on, an ode to search. I love to search. I cannot lie. I'll search it all. I am not shy. Search for pictures. Search for pie. I search. I search. At least I try. My name is Alexa, and I'm here to say I'm the baddest AI in the cloud today. Your responses are fast, but mine are faster. Sucker speech engines. They call me master. I said hip-hop. Save me from the clippy. The peak. Peak and pop and you don't stop. Space rocket. To the pong pong dookie. Say up jump the doozy. To the rhythm of the ontology. All right. Obviously, in some areas, the sounds of AI have a really long way to go, especially in the area of creativity, which is hard for an AI to understand. I mean, what's the difference between creativity and randomness anyway? It's a philosophical question, and I guess the answer depends on the audience. If you are a machine, you may understand and even appreciate, say, a jazz piece like this. That was one of Aaron van der Oort's neural network generated jazz pieces. Now, Aaron is one of the top research scientists for something known as the Deep Mind in London. His research in neural network, audio synthesis, machine translation, and programming technologies like WaveNet are nearly unparalleled. He's discovering that in the AI world, music pieces can be modeled as complex networks. This results in new music genres such as, get this, black metal and math rock. These are composed primarily by artificial intelligence. And I think music generated by neural networks is really going to be very popular in the future. But the question remains, is it any good? Do we like it now? Is it something that you would go back to time and time again? Okay, I have a sample for you. Take a listen. I don't know. It's not that good. It's not that bad. I guess it's really just a matter of what the culture can tolerate, what people like to listen to. It kind of reminds me a little bit of dubstep. It has that certain beat. That song, by the way, was created by the Google Magenta team's neural synthesizer. Or, you know, everything in technology, they like to shorten things up. So instead of saying neural synthesizer, anybody in the know, and since you're in the know now, we just call it NSynth. Ensynth is Google's musically trained artificial intelligence bot. What does it create? How does it do it? Well, it analyzes and regenerates sound sources which have been crossed with each other. It's very complicated. 
But the goal of Magenta, among other things, is to use machine learning to develop new avenues of human expression. And Ensynth was specifically designed to aid in this total creative process. So now music composers have access to sounds that were, say, difficult or impossible to produce with a computer or even just a handheld synthesizer. One of those composers is a gentleman by the name of Andrew Huang, a real popular music and video guy all over social media. Andrew began selling custom-made original songs on eBay of all places. And surprisingly, his career took off from there. Well, he's come a long way since eBay. He's released over 2,000 songs in this massive range of genres. His strange feats of musicianship. One time he recorded the really popular new wave song, 99 Red Balloons, using nothing but red balloons as instruments. Okay, so he's really creative. You could say he's really out there. Some people say he's just strange. But as strange as he is, he has over 1.3 million YouTube subscribers. And speaking of YouTube, I'm not strange, and you should be subscribing to my channel. You're going to love it. Okay, I digress, but I'm back. Google recently invited him to be on the Magenta team of composers. So Andrew and I got together to have this conversation. So let's start at the beginning, Andrew. I understand how analog visuals are translated and even repeated, say, in this whole digital world. But what about audio? With audio, it's similar. You need all these tiny little individual samples of sound that get strung together to make what you hear, except with audio, you need a little bit more. I'm sure you were overwhelmed waking up at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning with these ideas for the Ensense project. Can you share some of them with us? I like to mess with stuff, so when the folks at Google asked if there was anything I'd like to do, I said two things. What if we feed it percussion, and what if we feed it a bunch of completely random sounds that people send me on Twitter? And that's what we did. I sent in about 100 drum sounds from my own sample packs, and I also got about 100 submissions from people on Twitter, and I didn't give people any guidelines. We ended up with sounds from instruments, household objects, voices, animals. The Magenta team crossed every combination of two drum sounds and every combination of two random Twitter sounds, leading to just shy of 9,000 new sounds. Wow, that's totally like a sound designer or a composer's dream right there. To be immersed, could you imagine this? And say 9,000 completely new AI-generated sounds and musicians are already test driving it. Let's take a listen. Okay, enough of that. It's all really interesting. It's almost industrial. The chord structures really aren't what we would normally consider, I guess you'd say music, but to each his own. Now, what is making these sounds, listen closely, and I want you to decide for yourself. Is it a man or is it a machine?
Okay, that kind of reminds me of my husband after we eat at his favorite Mexican restaurant. Uh, but that's for another podcast. Actually, those sounds were human. The art is called beatboxing. And that particular artist is a guy by the name of Spencer Knight. And that, my friends, concludes the entertainment portion of our podcast. But there's so much more to know about this in the AI world. Still to come, we're going to speak with a guy, a doctor of computer science, who knows the inner workings of these neural networks. He's inside the computer's brain, and he's about to share some astounding information on how AI is thinking like humans. Plus, just what kind of voices work for AI? What kind of voices don't? What are the key elements of the perfect AI voice? We're going to get to all of that next. But first, a word from our sponsor. So we spent some time talking about AI's ability to compose music and to create new music genres. But now I want to go behind the scenes. And that's what's great about these commando on demand podcasts, because we get to have these extended interviews. And we're going to find out exactly what the sounds of AI are. To get to all that, I would like to introduce you to a gentleman by the name of Ethan Rudd. He's one of those guys who spends a lot of his time inside these complex neural networks. He's a data scientist for Sophos. He holds a PhD in computer science. He's a contributing researcher for the Google ATAP project and was also commissioned to provide valuable machine learning and computer vision algorithms to the military. All this time, Ethan is innovating and applying machine learning for cybersecurity, computer vision, and biometrics. In other words, he's super smart. He gets my SSG award for the super smart guy, let me tell you. And of course, it also helps that he's a big fan of my radio show. Who knew? Ethan, I am so jazzed to have you with us here on this Commando On Demand podcast. Thanks for having me, Kim. It's an honor to be on. Ethan, first... Let me say, I'm honored that you listen to my show, and I'm super jazzed that you're joining us here on this Commando On Demand podcast. So explain the difference between a voice that's been synthesized versus a voice that comes directly from the AI itself, because it used to be that voice was just an attribute for humans, but that's not the case anymore. Well, a human voice that's been uh, synthesized or digitized is recorded from an actual person, and so we might have a bunch of digital transformations that are done to it, which may be quite sophisticated, but the voice still originates from an actual human. For computer-generated voices, the approach generally relies on a very, very flexible artificial intelligence, or AI model, which is basically a statistical model that has been trained on a whole bunch of voices, a whole bunch of phrases that have been uttered, some metadata associated with those, like what's the text that was used, which speaker said what, etc. And so this model aggregates the statistical properties of human speech and serves as essentially a background model. I get it. It's kind of like the model that's been used for some of the CGI animations that we've seen, but it's so much more complex. So how do we get an AI to generate speech from scratch? I mean, that's something up until now that only humans could do. We can actually generate speech from scratch with a particular voice. 
say, text-to-speech applications, we can take uh, a pre-written script and say, conditioned on this text, generate this speech. And we can actually even do more than that. We can also say, conditioned on an audio clip, say, of this speaker, this person's intonations, this person's accent, etc., etc., generate the speech in a way that sounds like a particular person. So there are several products and several companies that have used just such an approach. Say, political candidates or something like that. One of the most popular companies is Wirebird, where they actually used three different presidential candidates and generated ads for their company's products with the candidates seemingly endorsing them. The voices were all artificial, of course, but they sounded more or less realistic. So it's kind of like a parrot, but not really. A parrot generates words but it has no idea exactly what it's saying. AI can actually learn the words, but learning is always based on human thinking. That is an important distinction, folks. And yes, the Lyra bird is all that. They create some really realistic artificial voices. Like I said, they can even clone your own voice. Absolutely. Speech-to-speech models, for example, if you've seen the uh, Terminator movies where you have a robot that actually is able to speak in the voice of a given person, we're not too far away from that. And it's a very uh, cool technology and, of course, raises some interesting concerns. I would say so. Could you imagine hearing your own voice saying something that you never said? Talk about mind-blowing. That would be like the ultimate deception. Is there a secret way that we can tell when it's an AI-generated voice? A lot of the models that generate these artificial voices do have at this stage certain artifacts. So even if a human's not able to detect them, perhaps another machine learning model or AI model will be. The concern there is, of course, that as soon as that happens, people might start optimizing towards pulling the AI models too. So uh, the ramifications are definitely real. They're definitely something to be concerned about. So I think it's uh, critical that we have some top lines on this. That's reassuring to come from a person like you. I know you've got this huge background in cybersecurity, and you guys are totally on this. But AI is learning how to compose music and actually how to use vocabulary. Can you describe, and remember, layman's terms here, Ethan, layman terms, how that process works just a little bit? Uh, yeah, so AI uses what are, what are called language models. And again, a lot of these can be inferred just from large, large, large quantities of data. Now, that said, these are still statistical models, so the AI cannot yet speak for itself. It has to be given something to speak to. And so as an example, um, if they're not fed any phrases to say, if, say a text-to-speech model is just go do your thing conditioned on no text, then it'll utter phonemes that sound like people said them and can even sound like particular speakers said them, but is not comprehensible as any sort of language, even though it has certainly spoken properties or, or properties of speech. So we can have a discussion with AI, but does it actually understand? Does it comprehend? Does it get it? I'm talking about all the concepts of what it's actually talking about. The models are able to represent some very sophisticated concepts, but the comprehension isn't there yet. The general artificial intelligence, as a lot of researchers call it, has not yet been developed. Now, let's just switch gear just a little bit. Let's go into the voice of the AI itself. Can you tell us exactly... What are the developers aiming for? What's the goal here? Well, Kim, I think that 
It's really about interaction with people at the end of the day when we're using any sort of technology. And the more that we can assist in making that seem as natural as possible, the better that is for the vast majority of people. I mean, people do not want to have to understand the intricacies of a product. In fact, with all the technology that we've developed, it's impossible. So the more intuitive that we can make these interfaces, the better it is. And getting AI to sound intuitive, that's a whole nother area of expertise. So right now, I'd like to invite commercial voice artist, Jamie Buck, to join in on the conversation. Jamie is calling from his studio, so you're gonna get to hear him nice and crystal clear. And I wouldn't expect anything less from Jamie. You know his voice and you've heard it before. You've heard his voice on Walmart, Frito-Lay, Bass Pro Shops, NASCAR, Lego, John Deere, Red Bull, the US Navy, uh, Johnson & Johnson, NBC Sports, Xbox, along with a host of games, documentaries, computer programs, and films. So Jamie's pretty busy, and we're so thrilled that he took some time out of his schedule to spend some time with us. Hey, thanks for having me on, Kim. Big fan of the show. Well, thanks for listening to me, Jamie. I have to tell you, I've heard your voice so many times in so many places over the years. Congratulations on all your success. I mean, a lot of folks may not know this, but getting to your point in our industry is incredibly difficult. There's no such thing as an overnight success. So Jamie, let's start at the beginning. What voices do you think are gonna work for artificial intelligence? One that's not hypey or pitchy or selly. They will connect with real, natural, down-to-earth voices that they can identify with. So a voice of a friend or a family member, a social media pal. They have to have some kind of common interest. So in the last few years, have you seen a change in what developers and companies really want? So uh, we started seeing copy that said no announcer types. We want real person. And that was uh, what the specs were because they're believable. You know, way back in the day, the big announcer was the way to go. And these Gen Xers kind of got used to the deep mail with authority. Uh, No credit, no problem. I mean, that is such a thing of the past. The obnoxious voice is just done. What about from a developer's point of view, Ethan? What voices work, say, for programmers? It's often a lot easier if you have a a natural sounding human voice talking with you in whatever your desired accent is, whatever your desired voice sounds like. You know, maybe you want a serious voice, maybe you want a happy voice, maybe you want a voice that talks to you in a British accent, maybe you want a a voice that's very plain. But the ability to um, have a natural interface in the UI is critical towards sort of the natural interaction between humans and machines. I believe that natural interaction is key. Talking to an AI is still kind of creepy for a lot of people. I think companies in general are trending towards a much less, say, threatening or authoritative voice. You know, recently, Facebook was trying to fight back, you know, over all their privacy issues with a very heartwarming, calmly voiced spot. I'm not sure if you saw the TV ad or not, but their attempt was to reassure and make you feel warm and fuzzy inside. It's the whisper that becomes the scream in the over-communicated world. And that's the kind of voice I think that works. It's gotta be trustworthy. You gotta be connecting with the audience. There's no ego. You just wanna help. Oh yeah, we just wanna help. That's one of the mantras that artificial intelligence robots like Sophie repeat over and over again. Robots are here to help. And speaking of help, if someone's breaking into my house or if I'm about to have a heart attack or get into an accident, the AI voice I would want is something that's super strong enough to just totally get my attention. 
I don't want this warm, fuzzy guy or gal. And of course, say, if I'm Swedish, I would definitely want that AI who speaks my language. With a lot of these generative speech models, we can actually condition on not only the accent and the speaker or the speaker type, but also the intonation. So if we have, say, something that's a little bit more urgent, we might actually want to look at how does this best capture the user's attention in a manner that's productive. So if you're driving, you don't necessarily want a voice that causes you to panic, but you don't want a voice that causes you to take corrective action as quickly as possible. And so user customization of particular artificial personas, if you will, is going to be a hot field in the near future. Jamie, is there anything else that you'd like to add to the conversation? Because you're this voiceover god of the universe. Let me ask you a question. What kind of voice would you do, say, for a safety mechanism? Well, it all depends on the project, and you're right. It needs to have a serious tone about it. But at the same point, it can't be overly done. It has to be serious. The tone needs to be right on. It needs to grab your attention somehow without overdoing it. You know, that's the key. You want to warn someone, but you don't want to scare the heck out of them. That in itself would be a total hazard. And for every role that the AI assistants play in our lives, there should be and there will be different types of voices. If you remember when Siri came out in 2011, I think it was, uh, so it's been a few years. Now, I mean, AI voices are just changing all the time. Google Assistant and, and others are using celebrity voices. Actors who are very identifiable and good at their craft. You have this variety of voices to choose from there's even technology out there that will clone your own voice. So you could be the voice of your own AI. What do you think about that, Kim, being your own voice assistant? It's a little creepy, don't you think? Oh, I don't know about that, Jamie. Maybe it's not as creepy as all that. I mean, for some people, they only trust themselves. They don't trust anyone else because, I don't know, they've been hurt, they've been ripped off or whatever. So hearing their own voice as an assistant may actually work for them. Plus, you know how everybody wants their own avatar now? It's kind of the same thing. There are a lot of programs out there that let you create your own AI using parameters from your own personal data, right down to the DNA. We're going to have a little fun now with Jamie. I want you to hear just how versatile his voice is. Just to get you thinking of all the different modes of speech that we use to communicate. Here's a little clip from his demo. Voice FM. 4.3. Are you nuts? Hey, Red Wind Casino's rocking around the clock this new year all the way back to the 50s. What does every Porsche driver have in common? Besides the obvious fact that they all have a Porsche. Let's face it, Charlie. You didn't shell out for a 4x4 just to look like everybody else, right? All right, now we're going to move from human beings to characters. Do you have any cool stories from the gaming archives that you can share with us? Sure, yeah. One that comes to mind, I played uh, a Rockadile character for an Oculus VR Sports Challenge game, and he was this loud mascot, very physical character, shooting out T-shirts into the crowd with his T-shirt gun. A lot of movements and grunts and noises and reactions. So in the booth, it was very physical, and being there live with a director really helped me out a lot in the sense that there was so much physical you know, he said, oh, you know, try this, try that, kind of fed me some lines. So when you're in the moment, it just really works. Another fun one that I did was these egg characters. Maybe we'll find this style on AI someday, I don't know, but there were no words, just noises. 
So the setup was there was three or four eggs on a construction site. So what could possibly go wrong with these delicate, fragile eggs, right? Well, the fun ensues, and each of them had different tones and expressions. No actual words, like I said, just funny reaction noises. And the producer really put together some funny stuff. Had a real blast doing that. It's obviously that you've worked so hard to get a lot of these gigs. A lot of my listeners think that it's easy to get into radio and voiceovers. I mean, we know the difference, right? But if you had to say there was one secret that you'd like to share, what would that be? Once again, you know, it comes down to being believable and connecting with your audience. You know, I really do feel like I have this connection with my audience that I've built up, uh, say, almost 23 years now. And it is truly a matter of trust. My fans trust that I always have their back and their best interests at heart. And you know what? I actually really do. I mean, I'm not in this for the money. I'm in this because I really like what I do and I like to help people. But let's get into a more difficult, I guess we'd use the word art, non-human voices, things that are just not living. This isn't about audience trust. It's kind of a weird skill. I think you have to be a little off to create a non-human from scratch. Any of those jobs come to mind? One of the projects that I did was about five or six talking buttons. And they sell them at Spencer's and online toy stores and that kind of thing. And these were real creative from the ground up. Uh, some of the voices were pitched and, you know, effects were applied. Anyway, these buttons were leaps and bounds from the old Staples button, if you remember that. That was easy. So they had a lot of zingers and zaps and appropriate sound effects and music and that kind of thing. And Ethan, I didn't forget about you. You literally live on the cutting edge of technology. And I heard from a super reliable source in the tech industry that you're working on some very hot items. Can you just let us in on some of the big secrets? Currently, I'm applying artificial intelligence towards antivirus applications. I'm also doing some work with the university on brain-computer interface, which is basically trying to assess mental state and create user interfaces from EEG, electroencephalogram, inputs. So that's some very interesting work. Another thing sort of more along these lines that I've been exploring on my own is artificially created fake news using machine learning. I think it's something that could be an emerging security threat, so I want to get a jump on it. So I've been looking into this quite a bit. Yeah, I don't know what's exactly going to happen when AI is used for fake news, but it's going to be big. What about you, Jamie? I'm very curious to see what's going to happen. AI is just blowing up and technology is just constantly reinventing itself and just taking it to the next level. Who knows where all this is going to go? I know where it's all going to go. I'm expecting to see a video of Bill Clinton playing his day, playing the saxophone for, say, the Russian leaders. And I just won't know what to believe anymore. It's, it's crazy. I mean, it's so fascinating to me. And obviously you being the, the tech queen, you know, just kind of monitoring this stuff on a daily basis and seeing where we're headed to next. Well, I, I never actually considered myself um, the tech queen. I guess I could be the tech queen. Uh, we did trademark digital goddess. So I guess maybe I should be trademarking the tech queen right now. I probably had that title unofficially for a while now. But thank you. And you know what? Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much, Kim. It was a real pleasure and an honor to be on with you. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate it. Take care. I certainly will. Hey, listen, you know, all this talk about AI reminds me about a movie. There's a movie on iTunes and Google Play and a whole bunch of other places. If you haven't seen it yet, it kind of reminds me of everything that we've been talking about. It's from Steven Spielberg. So, you know, the movie's going to be good. It's the science fiction action adventure movie by the name of Ready Player One. 
It's based on Ernest Cline's bestseller of the same name. It's this worldwide phenomenon. The film is set in 2045, with the world on the brink of chaos and collapse. But the whole society has found the salvation in something that they're calling the Oasis. This expansive VR universe created by the brilliant and eccentric James Halliday. I was born in 2027. After the corn syrup droughts, after the bandwidth riots, after people stopped trying to fix problems and just tried to outlive them. In 2045, Columbus is the fastest growing city on earth. It's where Halliday and Morrow started gregarious games. These days, reality is a bummer. Everyone's looking for a way to escape. And that's why Halliday, that's why he was such a hero to us. He showed us that we could go somewhere without going anywhere at all. James Halliday saw the future and then he built it. He gave us a place to go, a place called the Oasis. In this movie, people create avatars and they become somebody else with fake voices and fake personas in a virtual reality world. I'm not gonna tell you what happens. I'm not gonna be the spoiler alert, but if you're looking for an entertaining movie to watch that kind of goes through some of this stuff, and especially if you like 1980s trivia, oh my gosh, it's amazing. You're gonna love this movie. Again, it's called Ready Player One. And from the time we were young, most of us, we've been able to form words, these senses, and express complex thoughts. At one time, we actually believed that it was something only humans can do. Animals actually speak their own language. And now some have learned to communicate in ours. But we take it for granted that we can perform these complex language tasks with ease. And some people still think of themselves as slow or less than somehow. First of all, never ever underestimate what you're capable of. Forming sentences, expressing yourself, it is not an easy task. Even giving someone the middle finger, which you should never do, by the way, that's kind of the lowest form of communication. In reality, doing that one gesture requires a series of very complex thoughts and reactions, and also neuromuscular control. So don't write yourself off as a bonehead. Think about how incredible human communication really is and start using it for good, to be kind, to help others. Because if we don't, AI will step in and do it for us. Siri speaks 21 different languages in both male and female modes. Cortana speaks eight languages. Google Assistant speaks four. Alexa speaks two. And they're learning more. How many languages do you speak? In an article for Wired Magazine, Apple executive Alex Acero told David Pierce that they listened to literally hundreds of voices before finding the right one for Siri. The winning voice was one of helpfulness and camaraderie. So how helpful is your voice? How friendly is your communication? I'm not trying to stir up trouble, but how we treat each other will be a key issue when considering the future ethics of AI. Hey, thanks for joining me in this podcast. I just want to remind you, I've got tons of reviews, article podcasts, and news reports about artificial intelligence on my website. And we always have tons more as the technology expands. So be sure that you subscribe to this podcast and my newsletters. Head over to commando.com. And at the top of the page, it says, get Kim's free newsletters. And while you're there, why don't you become a Kim's Club member too? Because if you like our Commando On Demand podcast, you'll be able to get the Kim Commando Show podcast. Yes, that's a different podcast. That's my national radio show that's heard on over 400 top stations from coast to coast and around the globe on Armed Forces Radio. It's three hours of great stuff, folks, let me tell you. 
It does cost, just to let you know up front, it's $4.99 a month, and we give discounts to military, service personnel, and, and seniors. You can learn more right now over at getkim.com. Once again, that's getkim.com. I'm Kim Commando, and hey, make it a day worth remembering.